Stop. Wow. The, drop. A little DMX. Take a duke. Open up shop. <laughs> Come on, boy. You got to stop, drop. You take a duke and you open up shop. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're here. We're back. We're better than ever. Um, it's the boys. Your favorite <laughs> schmucks from New York City. Not really from the city. We're from you know, the outskirts of the city. But yeah, it's not, not neither here nor there. We won't uh, get into specifics. But either way, the show must go on. Ladies and gents, we are here once again. The Uncle Train and the Big Doggy Duty Stain on the back of your pants that you just uh, made a little bit of a mess in when you left the bar. A little, a little too ham. You thought it was a fart. You ended up pooping a little bit. Shit happens. You know, that happened to me back uh, back in uh, December before all this COVID stuff. But you know what? We won't get into those details. We're also joined with our good pal, Matt from Hoboken. No joking. He's in his, uh, he's in his studio. We're good to go. The boys are here. We're happy to be back. Bringing you the best of baseball's banter between the Mets. We're talking Yankees. And we got a new segment for you, award-winning listeners back at home. This one's called, Come on, boy! What the frick is going on? Because, ladies and gentlemen, come on, boy, you got to be wondering. This is almost our little spin on, come on, man. But, as we always do, it's, come on, boy! There's a lot of crazy shit going on around the league. got to be wondering. Uh... You know, we're tipping caps left and right. We're putting caps back on because who the hell knows what's going on. And We'll get into some nitty-gritty details, but it's really just like, what the fuck's going on this year? There's a ton of crazy shit. The Marlins are top of the crop. Yohannes Cespedes, you know, was almost uh, murdered. So we got a lot to talk about. Um, COVID is running rampant in the MLB, but folks, I will leave the details for later on in the pod. For now, Big Dog, Matt from Hoboken. You guys have anything to say before we uh, jump into a little bit of Tom and Ralph? Doggy duty staying, checking in here, ready to rock and roll, ready to bark a little bit. Um, you know, great to be back and uh, talk about the 2020 season so far. Oh. Matt from Hoboken in, in Red Bank. I'm switching up locations in my second private studio this time. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy to be back and I can't wait to talk Mets and listen to the big dog talk about the Yankees. Folks, without further ado... Let's jump into it with a little bit of Tommy Rose, Sweet Pea, come on boy, how we doing? Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to be back talking Mets. Before the Yanks, as the uh, idiom goes, beauty before age. Uh, you gotta love it. The beautiful team from Flushing, New York, everyone's favorite uh, dump full of Korean auto body parts. And that's really it. And, uh, you know, a lot of airplanes kind of flying pretty low overhead from LaGuardia. But other than that, beautiful team. No denying that. So, folks, clearly not quite the beginning to the season as. We all, Mets and Yankees fans, you know, alike, would have hoped, would have loved for the Metsies to start the season you know, on a little 10-11 game win streak, as of course is tradition with the Mets at the very beginning of the season, and then they let your hopes down. So honestly, folks, you got to be wondering. you got to be wondering. Maybe they're getting the blunders out of the way early. The Mets often go, you know, what, like 13-5, and 11-1 and one start the season, and then all of a sudden... They start to drop off. But, folks, maybe it's a little reversal of fortune, and the Mets are starting it off with a big old-fashioned dookie pot pie, and they're going to turn it around. It's a, li- it's a little roll reversal. Folks, it's a beautiful thing. you got to love it. The Metsies are going to finish on top. Come on now, boy. All right. Well, let's not get our, get our hopes up too early uh, because we got a lot of things to talk about that are not, not great. Not great. I, I smell another steak bet coming on. You know, it's too... It, That's the way the season is setting up. It's too early for the Peter Lugers. <laughs> so for now, you know, let's just keep it... It's never too early for steak, Uncle let's, Trent. It's never too early for a porterhouse, medium rare, potatoes on the side. It's never too early, baby. Come on. Calm, cool, and collected here. You know, we're just starting off with a little bit of banter. Nothing crazy. Um, so, Matt, we got a couple things to talk about as, uh, you know, dedicated Mets fans that we are. Right, a couple things. Right. We got Jeffy Mack, you know, minor injury. So we hope, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of tightness in the back. You hate to see it. 
But he's been sidelined, you know, for about, uh, what, half a week now or so, about four or five days. So that's not looking too good. This is kind of the guy that's been, you know, the Iron Man of the team. Um, not a history of injuries at all. He's always been the scrappy player, you know, very versatile. We've seen him play all around the infield. Um, and, you know, of course, needless to say, he's been the most consistent bat in the lineup over the last two years. Um, so having him sidelined definitely has not helped our cause over the last few days. You lose a guy who typically, you know, bats uh, in the low 300s. That's not a good thing. You also got other situations like Yoenis the penis, Yoenis Cespedes, where we literally thought that the guy was straight up murdered for a solid, like, four or five hours. I was legit concerned. That's the thing. And I was hesitant to make any jokes because I was like, all right, let's first make sure that the guy literally isn't dead before we start making the classic, oh, classic Mets, you know, kind of situation. <laughs> classic Mets, the guy happens the to die. The big dog went right for it. Oh. The big dog didn't wait the, at the, all. The big dog, Miguel, is an absolute lunatic and goes straight The big dog the knew. The big dog knew that this was classic Mets. There was never a doubt in my mind, folks. Felt a little bad when people were like, oh, is he all right? You knew he was all right. The Mets just don't know what they're doing, folks, and you hate to see it. It's just a, they, every year they find a way to top themselves. No doubt about it. Well, either- the problem is I just don't even know what side to believe with the two different stories mm-hmm. because both of them look awful on the Mets either way. But at least in one of them, which I think is what the Mets want, which makes me believe that this is the wrong side. Like, you could kind of blame Cespedes for being a POS and not telling the team he wasn't going to show up. Yes. And, like, that's why I think that the Mets came out and made those statements. And then when they saw everybody was freaking out, they were like, oh, he's fine. But how would you know he's fine if you hadn't heard Exactly. That's the thing. So for anyone who doesn't really know the details, it was basically, uh, you know, the morning, what was it? Yeah. Last week, um, Sunday morning, su- I think. Sunday was it Sunday morning, Sunday morning, yeah. where there is like a you know Mets press release and they say a statement comes out. We do not know where Yoenis the penis Cespedes. I think it said that verbatim. We don't know where the penis man is. Uh, we have not been able to contact him, and we have not heard from him or his agent. So they literally had no clue where he was. He was, I guess, wasn't answering his hotel room. For some reason, they couldn't get anyone to open up the room from the hotel. Like, who the fuck knows what was going on? But either way, the penis man was completely missing in action. And the Mets, of course, had to release a statement saying, we literally don't know where the guy is. So, of course, you know, your first thought is, well, shit, I hope this isn't, uh, I hope he didn't, you know, die in his room. And the big dog is, is, you know, talking crap, saying it's a classic Mets move. You would really hate to see it. Big dog would turn out to be quite the schmuck. Of course, you know, as we all know, big dog is an absolute schmuck. So you really don't need an extra situation like that. At least like he that. was a correct schmuck this time. At least he was. <laughs> he was right. right. He, he was an actor. I love having the social media coordinator here to uh, set the record straight for the fans. He's still a schmuck. I'm not saying you're not still a schmuck. Still a schmuck. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not a schmuck either yeah, but you know so you want to assess but as long as we're calling it what it is i don't want to hold on to this too much because we got to focus on the rest of the mess team because we got a lot to talk about but you know, the penis man was missing turns out he literally just up and left cleaned up all of his shit left his room in the middle of the night didn't tell anyone and apparently he ended up opting out of the season he was like you know what guys you know i'm done not for me i'm i'm, I'm, I, I'm chilling which again i don't even think there's much to say about this incident besides the fact that like, LOL, Classic Mets. And then also, I think that this one event is going to wind up overshadowing a lot that he managed to do for the Mets in the past five years. And his legacy really should be carrying that team to the postseason on his back by himself right. in 2015. Yep, second half. Uh, that, I mean, there were a lot of people who wanted to vote for him for NL MVP that year, even though he only played half the season in the NL. Uh, he was absolutely unbelievable. He should be cherished. The Mets don't get to the World Series that often. So you got to cherish those moments. No question. Uh, his legacy should be a positive one for the most part. Um, I mean, unfortunately, after two seasons, injuries derailed the rest of his time at the Mets. But I'll definitely be thankful for the short time that has had you, with the Mets. No question. you got to be thankful for it. I mean, and on the flip side, the guy, you know, we signed him to a three-year deal. He, uh, what, in 2017 that was. And, of course, you know, he... Literally hasn't seen a game since 2018. So, you know, you really hate to see it. Four-year deal? It was four? All right, well, fuck me. Uh, it doesn't matter. Either way, it's you know, it's, it's just a number <laughs> game. But So basically, you know, the penis man 
um, is done. I think his legacy will be forever cemented in 2015. Beyond that, we can move on. Um, in other news, a big-time pitching performance from Ricky Boy, the pretty boy Porcello, ladies and gentlemen. you got to be wondering. Ray Porcello overcoming Max Scherzer. Who really would have ever thought, even though Scherzer pitched, what, one inning and I think had, like, you know, 25 pitches. Um, still, you know, it was Porcello Scherzer and the winning pitcher in the game, Rick Porcello. In what, in what world would you have imagined seeing Porcello against Scherzer and he ends up winning the matchup? Folks, it's a beautiful thing. Rick Porcello really needed that. I think that's going to help to carry the boy throughout the rest of the season. He's going to be top of the crop. Back to his old form. Uh, really just a stellar outing overall. Gave up, what, like five hits or something like that. One earned. Absolute nothing. A pizza cake for the boys. Definitely positive. I have a lot. Yeah, I, I, Porcello. I have a lot of concerns over our. Oh right, Porcello. I'm sorry. Yeah, Porcello. I mispronounced that name. Definitely a lot. Of, a lot of concerns for the Italian stallion. Uh, it was nice to see him pitch. He was pitching a soft. Ricardo Porcello. <laughs> the good news was that we had a, a, our best defensive lineman up lineup out there, considering no Rosario, no Cano. So we had Guillaume and uh, right. the young boy. Andres Jimenez, who I'd like to talk about a little bit later. 100%. He's been awesome. 100%. But uh, Billy Hamilton in center, which we also need to discuss because that was an awful trade. But, you know, best defensive lineup we had out there really benefited the pitchers. Um, I mean, that's what the Mets should have been built on if you're going to go and try and have, like, this, mm-hmm. you know, 1997 Braves rotation. Uh, you got to have defense behind it, and the Mets have just – neglected defense for so many years so it was nice to see that the the fellas backing up their pitchers for once absolutely i absolutely have to agree with that and i mean andres jimenez the guy didn't even see a game in triple a right so keep that in mind the boys hopping over leagues um at one point you know he was a top 100 prospect in the mets farm system one of the best uh fielding infielders in all of the minor leagues um and overall and just the overall top prospect in the mets farm system so he got a little bit lost in translation, if that's not the right idiom, I forgive uh, my lack of English knowledge, but either way, he got a little bit lost in the, you know, in, in the cards when, you know, Ahmed Rosario was coming up big and he had a breakout season last year, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, Ronaldinho Mauricio, um, also another guy who's, you know, coming up in the Mets farm system uh, at short, if, if Rosario wasn't looking too hot, so Jimenez started to kind of fall out of the cards a bit, um, but again, this is a guy he kept grinding, ended up making the big leagues in a somewhat of a shit show of a year here in 2020, but that's, you know, somewhat of a silver lining here. Um, yeah, no, it was nice. He played well in the Arizona Fall League last year, mm-hmm. so they put, like, more of a an up arrow on him again uh, within the organization, so that helped a lot, Yep. and, I mean, so far, he's been able to handle the bat pretty well. He's got, like, a 118 WRC plus since yeah. he's been up, batting over 300, made a bunch of really slick plays in the field, and, you know, a lot of people, I think, are overreacting in the sense that, like, oh, well, you know, Mike, who No. Uh, um, no, the dude is, the dude is hurt. This kid and definitely he's got fine. a bright future. I mean, and he's just got to put on, like, some weight. He doesn't have enough physical strength. Weight. To, like, really not, contribute. Not big in the sense of, like, weight. Like, colossal. <laughs> big, like, big, colossal. Big shout-out to Mr. Car- you got to give a big shout-out to the Carter 3, one of the greatest Wheezy albums of all time. Uh, Mr. Carter, where have you been around the world? Now I'm back you gotta again. You got to tell me where you've been. I've been around the world, now I'm back again, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but overall, I mean, Ronnie the Kid, Mauricio, the Italian Stallion, you got to love him, uh, next to the Italian Stallion, Riccardo Porcello. But we got a lot of Italians. Can I? A lot of Italians on this team. <laughs> we got so many Italians. Uh, I just, I got to make an apology real quick. Go ahead. To, uh, to our good friend, Robinson Cano. After Holy shit. I, I mean, completely shit on him. In what said, world? This guy shouldn't even be in the lineup. In what then... world is Robinson Cano the number one hitter on the team? I mean, folks, what the fuck? Seriously. It's insane. And, and then, of course, he, he winds up getting, you know, a grade two yeah. adductor strain. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I do have to apologize for my harsh statements uh, last episode. Yeah. Because... He was killing it first eleven. Honestly, small sample size. Small sample size. Yep, we're waiting for the thirty. The thirty games. That's what you know. Everyone knows if you've taken statistics with uh, with uh, Brian Christinger, 
you know that n equals 30 is the minimum number to get an actual, you know, normalized uh, sample size. So, folks, Brian Christinger. You need a lot of n. Yeah. That's what everybody knows. You need a lot of n. n equals 30. That is it. That's what you need. Um, outside of uh, Ronnie Mauricio, the Italian Stallion 2.0, next to Riccardo Porcello. Look at the Mets, full of Italians. I mean, they're eating sausages every night. Uh, there's like a bunch of Jersey boys out there. Come on, Staten Island, let's go. Big shout out. Um, overall, I mean, the other things, you know, J.D. Davis looking beautiful on defense as well. Playing him at third, I mean, that's really kind of where he should be playing. He's not an outfielder, but either way, uh, the defense, like we said, you know, has been looking super stellar. Um, with this with this newly acquired. Granted, you got Luis Guillaume, who literally caught a fucking bat in the dugout. We remember that clip from spring training a couple of years ago. Luis Guillaume, a awesome. little bearded boy, sitting in the dugout, catches the flying bat that flew out of the batter's hand. Um, granted, the guy literally can't hit for shit. I, I don't think I've ever seen him actually put the bat to the ball. But either way, you know, sometimes you got to sacrifice a little bit of the offense for some defense. Um, onward from, from that... Uh, I think the other thing we got to talk about that's somewhat concerning is our boy Pete Alonso. Now, the polar bear starting off a little cold. You got to be wondering what's going on. I mean, a little cold? Well, it might be an understatement. So, we, we, let's, we uh, let's call it so what we, you, saw, you saw just talked for about 10 minutes about how great Rick Porcello was Porcello, in Porcello. one start. Uh, suddenly he is a great starting pitcher. Well, let's let's forget Mets fans, the two other starts he had where he was absolute garbage. We're talking about Andres Jimenez, who comes off of the bench for one inning in most games. But let's leave out Pete Alonso until the end of the segment and, you know, forget about the fact that he's hitting a cool 180. So, folks... I, I mean, and his defense is terrible. So, I, I just don't understand how you could be sitting here. I want to apologize on behalf of the podcast, I'm sorry that you have to hear about the Mets. Like, they're this good team. They won one game last night that Rick Porcello started. Porcello. I mean, it's unbelievable. Miguel brings up a good point. But at the same time, would you be shitting all over someone like, I don't know, uh, Christian Yelich for taking an absolute gigantic duke on a season? Would you be saying, oh, he's completely lost. Brewers are done. Season's over. The guy fucking officially stanks the farts. He was so good last year. What's going on this year? I don't think you would make the same conclusion, ladies and gentlemen. You're talking about... I didn't say... Any, I did not say anything that, like that. Oh, I just said that I mean, the Mets as the a whole are the terrible. really is... No, I said the Mets as a whole are terrible, and Pete Alonso has yeah, been terrible. There's nothing incorrect the about segment, that statement. The, I mean, folks, really, you gotta yeah, be you, wondering... You are. I mean, yeah, but what, are you gonna start off the segment with a big old-fashioned dookie kick? You gotta be wondering what the big dog is trying to get yes, here. Yes, you should. I mean, really. It's you almost, should. They're it's like almost a, emba- it's almost I- incomprehensibly embarrassing that the big dog would come to such rash conclusions about you know a quick half a sentence that's been stated about Pete Alonso. I haven't even gotten into what I wanted to say, but you know what? Really, the big dog is just uh, coming out of the gates, guns blazing. It's something that you hate to see. Doesn't even let the Mets fan himself finish the statement. Honestly, completely embarrassing on his part. With that being said. I think it's some just minor mechanical issues that Pete Alonso coming in his sophomore year, sophomore year slump. We know what happens. You know, the guy, he's, he just got some mechanical issues, getting a little trigger happy. Um, you know, pitchers are starting to kind of get used to him, and he's, he's going to have to adjust. This is what happens. This is often why the sophomore slump can happen. Folks, everybody take a little bit of a breather, right? I mean, this is a long, long season. It's 162 games. Oh, holy shit, it's only 60 games. What the freaking crap? You really hate to see it, folks. But either way, all I'm saying is that Pete Alonso had one of the best launch angles in the game last year, right? And this year, he's definitely, you know, brought that uh, mark down quite a bit, which is why you're seeing, you know, his fly ball percentage is coming down and his ground ball percentage is going up. Folks, it's a couple minor mechanical issues. Pete He's not hitting balls inside the zone like he has, like he usually does. We saw that last year. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, hack the ball out of there. Either way, he's in a little bit of a slump. Everybody has experienced it before in the little leagues, in the high school leagues, in the minor leagues, in the majors. It happens to the best of them. The boy is young, but you know that he's not losing hope. He is still the young, strong buck that he is. Uh, loves chatting it up. On defense and uh, the field, and you know, that's something that you love to see. You know, just the guy who's really out there. He's enjoying the game. He's having a good time, chatting up with the boys. Probably thinking about, you know, telling the big dog to go frick himself because the big old sack of dukes sitting in the toilet bowl, a little bit above the waterline. You really hate to see it, Matt. I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are on Pete Alonso, Mikey. I would love for you to just 
just zip the lip for like a hot sec, just a hot sec. And I just want to hear Matt from Hoboken, our good pal who so cordially joined the podcast, you know, to chime in his two words. I would love for Matt from Hoboken just to give a couple words without, you know, the Mikey chiming in with some absolute bullshit rhetoric, you know, about Pete Alonso uh, being an absolute piece of duke. Matt, please. Thanks, Uncle Train. Of course. I, uh, I don't think there's too much to say because I don't think there's that much of a concern to be had. It's a great call. If anybody is interested in seeing somebody put on an absolute clinic, there's a great clip of Keith Hernandez going over Alonzo's swing from last year compared to this year. His mechanics are all out of whack, and he is not taking the same approach that he normally has. Something that I was so impressed by last year was Alonzo's ability to actually be a, a hitter instead of just a guy who goes up there and swings as hard as he can. Like Aaron, he like Aaron Judge. Ball, like Aaron Judge. <laughs> he takes the ball all over the field, which I think is an amazing approach. And this year, he's he's pressing. He's getting out way in front of the ball. He's pounding the ball in the dirt. He doesn't have that launch angle like you the issues stand out a lot more considering the game. The season's only 60 games this year. So a lot less time to fix it. But in terms of his career, I am not concerned about Pete Alonso's production. Absolutely. Um, these are all fixable issues, and he doesn't lack any confidence. So he's a guy who will be able to work through it. Yeah, no, you'd have to be an idiot to make such a rash uh, assumption about Pete Alonso. Right, Mike? You'd have to be an idiot to be talking about the Mets like they're this great team through – through 13 games, that's five and eight, and that you, you're you're anointing Rick Porcello, the savior Porcello, the savior of the city for one out of three good starts. Can you direct We're talking about. I, I mean, this is just ridiculous. I, I mean, and you're. I mean, Pete Alonso, he's hitting 180. Yeah, you're damn right. I think that because that is the truth. The you can listen. Uncle Train, Uncle Train, Uncle Train. Yeah, so he's so he's fifty points under the average in baseball, is what so you're telling me. He's not. He's fifty so points way below. Stop bringing up Kristen Yelich. I'm not talking about Kristen Yelich. Uncle Train, Uncle Train. How many, Uncle Train? How many Pete Alonso bats have you seen this season? How many? A handful. So you don't know that he looks terrible at the dish. It's not just the numbers. The at bats are not good at bat. But what I'm saying is you should be concerned about it right now because it's 20-plus percent of the way into the season. This Unfortunately, throw, we have to overreact. Season. Throwaway season. It's a, it's a throwaway season for a 5-8 and eight team, sure. Like, I, I mean, is it is it going to be held in the same regard as uh, another season? Maybe not. But, not. yeah, we're all watching it. We're all watching it. We're still talking about it. And we still want it to be the baseball that, that we know and love, which – Honestly, the product itself is pretty fucking good. So just right. because the it's Mets right. are five and eight, you're ready to you're ready to throw away the season. What is it? Are you ready to throw away the season, or do you want to or do you want to talk about how the Mets are this great team with with staff ace Rick Porcello and Pete Alonso is totally fine no, with his one eighty batting no, average? Let's just call it what it is. I think we should just call it what it is. But Jesus Christ! I mean, come on. Let's let's t- a little reality for you. Come on, Porcello. Ricardo Porcello, he is the Mets savior. If you're going to invoke his name, you better say it right. He is the Mets savior, ladies and gentlemen. All I'm saying is that... If you guys are this excited about the Mets, how would you feel if they were if they were 9-2? and two? I, I, Seriously, how would you feel if they were 9-2? I, 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 I would probably I be so excited... Hey, yeah, you sound pretty excited I would, I would, there, Olton. I, I'm a little disappointed in you. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not too surprised from Uncle Tran. This is the train going off the track. Look at the bright side. I mean, I don't think. I don't think you could deny that Andres Jimenez has been a bright spot for bright the spot. team in his limited bats. You know, Michael. See, that's the thing, Big Dog. Is that it's you just are, miraculous. You are, it's just no, 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 miraculous no, no, no. that you could lead the segment with Andres Jimenez and Rick Porcello. At least talk about Jacob DeGrom. How, I mean, Jesus Christ. If we're going to talk about the one good part of the Mets, it's Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. I think that's... And that you guys... Says- that you guys are focused. Is, though. You like, guys are focused in on Rick Porcello's one good start of the season. Folks, it's crazy. I mean, there's plenty of time in the segment <laughs> to discuss a lot about them. There's a lot to discuss. Well, yeah, we need to move on. This is ridiculous. So, <laughs> is, I mean, come on. on. Con- Can I do a big screw you? Let's do a big screw you. I got to do to a big, big screw dog? you to Brody. No, to Brody Van Wagner for not knowing how to handle an MLB roster. And trading away prospect for people you could have signed for the veteran minimum in the offseason, yep. a.k.a. Billy Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And then also, 
trading a valuable relief prospect to Houston, who's been killing it, Blake Taylor, for a guy who does the same exact shit as Billy Hamilton, and he's been hurt the entire season. See, he keeps trading prospects away for the same guy. And they are they also read Juan Lucas, who does the Folks, same exact. You gotta thing love that. Jake Marisnik you gotta love that. And Billy you Hamilton. gotta love the Juan Lagares. It Ligaris makes no sign. sense. Please, for the love of God, Brody Van Wagner, stop trading away young players for garbage that you get for cheap on the street. Okay, that was it. That's that, yeah. That's a that's a great call out. Brody Van Wagner, big old fashioned brick you. You big old. You got suck the big old fashioned dookie in the toilet bowl above the waterline. Lastly, you know, you just got to give a big shout out to Jacob Degrom. It's like that's the thing that you can't talk about Degrom every single episode. That you know the guy is no, the number one pitcher in baseball, better than Garrett Cole. There's no denying that. And it's something that, you know, you just kind of learn to accept. And it's it's nice to have that just extra level of comfort. It's like going home, you know, then and you got your special blanket in your bed. You know you're going to go home with that blanket. It's always there for you. Or like stuffed animal. You know, it's always there. But you don't need to talk about it every single time. You don't need to tell all your friends every time you see them, hey, I got this beautiful stuffed animal and this nice soft blanket in my bed. And I know it's there for me whenever I go home. Folks, it's the kind of thing you just kind of, you just got to, Except that it's a beautiful thing, and again, you don't flaunt it. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not sucking off Garrett Cole every single time that I hop on the fucking podcast, Michael. So, you know, we all have our different ways of going about our teams and going about the different stuff about the teams. So I'm just going to say, Jacob DeGrom, I love you. You're the fucking man. You're the best pitcher in baseball. I love you. I love you. I love you. Without The big dog's had and enough. And the big dog, he's cutting the cord. You really hate to see it. It's almost embarrassing. He, he's such a sack of duke. So, folks, we're going to do, we're going to go to a little fucking word from our sponsors. Come on, boy. Call 1-800-STEAMER, Stanley Steamer, your certified cleaner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Stanley Steamer, your certified cleaner. What he is cleaning, or she, I'm not quite sure, I'll be completely honest, I really have no clue what they do. I'm assuming they're some sort of cleaning service that you would call, hence the name, Stanley Steamer, uh, certified cleaner. Maybe they're cleaning carpets, like Empire. Is Empire even clean carpets, or they just install carpets? Not quite sure. Miguel, enlighten me about Stanley Steamer. What do they do, in fact? So Stanley Steamer Pile of Dookie Cakes is a carpet cleaning company. It's U.S. best. It's a U.S. based company, and you love to see that, folks. Um, it provides carpet cleaning, as you said, tile and grout grout cleaning. Uh, I'm always trying to get my grout clean, so I love Stanley Steamer. I trust them for that. Uh, we have the upholstery cleaning. We're gonna clean some hardwood floors, and we had we just got Stanley Steamer. So the, what they what they're gonna do, folks? They're gonna show up in a yellow van. It's gonna say Stanley Steamer on it. They're gonna open the door. They're gonna come in your house. You're gonna think that they're installing a carpet, but they're gonna they're gonna go into your bathroom. They're gonna take a humongous steaming dude. The biggest steaming dude. They're gonna walk. They're gonna they're gonna leave a little bit of carpet, and then they're gonna walk right out your house. They're gonna, it's gonna be unbelievable. They're gonna bring in like a one foot by one foot square like sample <laughs> carpet tile, like a tile, yeah, like, a, like a tile's worth of carpet. carpet. And they're gonna come into your bathroom. They're gonna be dressed up in the full garb. So they're gonna have the Stanley Steamers suit. Oh, it's like a hazmat suit almost because the the steaming dukes that they're gonna take in your bathroom are gonna be almost unruly. They're going to go straight to your bathroom. You're going to say, hello, Stanley Steamer. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you. I put out a little charcuterie board for you. Um, and they're going to go straight to the bathroom. Hopefully the bathroom, uh, it has one of the locks that's, you know, a nice, like, pad lock where you either twist the thing or you slide the thing so you know that the thing goes behind. You ever go to a restaurant and you get, it's like a single-person bathroom and it's like one of those little tiny twist locks on the knob and you're like Jesus there's no way that the bathroom is actually locked um, and you're always kind of on edge whenever, see, I, whenever I go into a one person bathroom I love going in and seeing the slide lock where you see the thing go across the door because if someone needed to get in they would have to break that down otherwise I've been there's in, also that huge hole in the door like people can see through the door no no no, no there's no hole there's no hole in the door there's no hole in the door the door is fully covered but you slide the thing, you see the little piece slat go over the side of the door frame. You're like, all right, I'm in here. There's no way that someone else is going to open it and they're just going to jam it open. You get like the little tiny push lock. You're like, Ugh, okay, I feel kind of comfortable. If you could hear it, if you push it in, you hear it click, then you're like, all right, it's got to be good. But you have like a tiny like twist one. It was made in like 1960. It's like a tiny, you know, it's like the, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like the push lock, but it's a little twist thing and you like twist it and you're like, is that... Is this door really locked? 
Or is someone going to bust in on me with my pants down with a big old-fashioned duke hanging out of the toilet bowl? I mean, really, folks, it's a, it's a tough situation. So we're hoping that, you know, everything is okay with the Stanley Steamer locks in your house when they come to take the big old-fashioned duke in the toilet bowl and leave the tiny little sample one-by-one-foot carpet, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, Stanley Steamer, certified cleaner. They're coming to take a duke in your house. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, just so you have an awareness of uh, what Uncle Trent's been doing this baseball season, he really hasn't been following the league too much, so you have to forgive him for his god-awful takes with the Mets. Uh, we are playing in a fantasy baseball league this year. Uh, Uncle Trent and I are rivals. Do we really have to bring uh, this up? Yep, we absolutely do. We're going oh, head-to-head. There's, break, there's breaking news, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sending you a video in our group chat. Christian Yelich just got an inside-the-park home run because Eloy Jimenez is quite literally... Worst defender of the team. We're recording a podcast. Hilarious. Why would you send a video to watch while we're recording a podcast? In what world? Because it was it was breaking it's a, news. It's a good video. It's a good breaking video. Breaking news. He break these balls. Come on, get out of here. Michael, continue. <laughs> so as I was saying, should I just start over? No, go. Just go. It's fine. Everything is fine. All right. So as I was saying, folks, as I was saying, folks, uh, to give you a representation of what we're dealing with here with Uncle Train, uh, we play in a fantasy baseball league together. Uh, you know, some of uh, so Uncle Train, you have the big dog, and you have uh, Olton, our social media coordinator, and then you have a bunch of uh, a bunch of the biggest fans of the pod out there. Shout out to the Shankball League. And Uncle Train this week, 14 points. Uh, how's the rest of the league doing? Coming into the day, the next lowest score was 88 points and he just absolutely sucks the big parts and uh, i'm sorry that you had to hear all about the music. i actually thought it was just a glitch in the system when i saw 14 i was like there's no way that i have because i looked at everyone else's scores <laughs> everyone else was like 100 i'm like hold on like i understand i could have the lowest score but 14 it's because yeah but it's because yelich and freddie freeman apparently are the worst baseball players in the world now out of nowhere so you know well here's the thing here's the thing you know just to be fair Train since the, this morning has raised his score from 14 to 50, folks. Everybody tip the cap now. Come on. Oh, boy, 14 know. to 50, baby. The comeback is on for Uncle Train. We'll let you know if uh, if he gets there, but he probably won't because he sucks. Okay. Oh. Anyway, 9-3. and three, New York Yankees after dropping a tough game to the Phillies tonight. You hate to see that, folks. Uh, the Yankees have been overall very good. Um, can start there. Uh, I will go over some positives. Um, Garrett Cole, I'll lead with him. He's been good. I'm not going to say he's been great. He hasn't been great. You got to uh, folks. Uncle Train, sit on the sideline. I'm going to actually give some rational takes in my segment. Uh, Garrett Cole has been good. He hasn't been great. Um, but I do feel like we haven't yet seen uh, Cy Young caliber Cole, who is arguably the best pitcher in baseball when he's going right. Um, he's been good. He's been worth what we uh, what we paid him. But I am looking forward to the rest of the year and hoping he unlocks that second or third level that we all know he's capable of from his couple of seasons in Houston. So that's number one. Um, sticking with the positives, uh, I want to give a big shout-out to Giovanni Urshela, who, as you all know, he is the most... Happy fella, he really is He's a happy. He really is a happy, happy guy. Um, Gio Urshela, I, I think a lot of people coming into the season were a little skeptical. Was last season the real deal? Um, he kind of came out of nowhere uh, and hit three fourteen uh, over four hundred seventy six at bats. So not really a small sample size, folks. Um, hard to have a real fluke season. Uh, in the MLB, uh, you know, having a, a whole season that good, uh, it, it's not an easy thing to do. And he has uh, come back in 2020 uh, and hit 333 with a 421 OBP so far. He's also got three ding-dongs. He's playing a great third base. I don't give a fuck what the analytics say. He really can pick it at third base. Um, A-Rod called him, I don't know if he called him the best defensive third baseman no. in the AL or the best. Jesus. Yeah, he did. That's ridiculous. He, he did do he that. Even uh, you know that. That's ridiculous. If you let me finish what I have to say. So I forget if he said he was the best defensive third baseman or just the best overall third baseman in the American League. Uh, can't go that far because Matt Chapman's still picking it over in Oakland. Um, but I think 
the overarching message is that Gio Urshela is turning into one of the better third basemen in baseball. Another positive uh, for the Yankees, and you know, with a nine and three record, there are quite a few positives. Mike Talkman, who is not getting everyday plate appearances, the Sockman. Sockman. Uh, the Sockman. This guy. This guy, if you go back to the first ever episode of Uncle Train and the Big Dog, he was brought up on that podcast. We had no idea who the fuck he was, folks, because nobody really did. He was a scrub-type player in Colorado. But Brian Cashman, as he so often does, found this guy. And man, oh man, he has turned into some player, folks. He's batting over 300. He's a really, really good defender, um, elite-type defender. He's like a five-tool guy because he can also run. Um, this is a guy to me that should overtake Brett Gardner for most of the at-bats and playing time in left field. Uh, he helps the Yankees out defensively. Not that Gardner's a bad defender, but Talkman's just better at this point in his career, better hitter. Um, and I, I really am thrilled uh, with, with what Mike Talkman has brought to the table so far. The Sock Man continues to rake, and I think we will be seeing more and more of the Sock Man uh, as the season continues on well how about that yankee bullpen unfortunately lost tommy canely you hate to see that get well soon tommy canely tommy canely is a psychopath he's the type of guy you love seeing the energy from him in the bullpen uh during the middle of games he's a nut job um but he's an awesome awesome pitcher and i wish him all the best i hope he can come back make a full recovery uh just really unfortunate the amount of pitchers that are are going down uh, with serious injuries. We saw Tommy Canley. We saw Mike Soroka. Verlander's missing a lot of time. Um, just very, very unfortunate. Marcus Stroman missing missing a few starts here at the top of the season. Um, it just really stinks. Uh, but Zach Britton, Chad Green, and Adam Adovino. How about them holding down the Yankee pen? The three of them combined have given up a whopping zero runs combined. They have been sensational. Chad Green has developed this new curveball. He really looks good. It looks like one of the better relievers in the game. Adam Adovino's got that filthy Frisbee-type slider. Unbelievable thing to watch. And then how about Zach Britton? Five saves already on the early season. The sinker is as good as ever. People are just beating that ball into the ground. And folks, he really has held it down uh, in the absence of Chapman. And I want to say one last thing. As a Yankee fan, I am very excited to get Araldis Chapman back. You certainly need that power arm in the bullpen. He's a lefty. He loves to skip folks. But I have to say, Zach Britton in the ninth, probably a higher comfort level than Araldis Chapman in the ninth. Zach Britton gets, gets the job done quickly. Araldis Chapman, very good pitcher, but always makes me worried when he comes in. Uh I like Zach Britton in the ninth. I'm not saying that they need to keep it, but I am saying I like Zach Britton in the ninth. You know, you have to say it. Uh, and lastly, on the positives, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the man that I told you two weeks ago would be the MVP of baseball. The behemoth, folks. The behemoth himself. How about Aaron Judge? It's unbelievable. Reminding, reminding everybody that when he is healthy, he is one of the best position players in the game. Damn right I said it. It's not even that hot of a take. The guy is just unbelievable. He's on another planet. How about seven ding-dongs? How about six ding-dongs in five days? How about 17 ribeye steaks, medium rare, with a little melted butter on top and a little palm frites on the side? That's how good Aaron Judge has been. This guy is also a gold glove caliber defender. Don't let his size fool you, folks. And for all the people out there who, are, who just know about Aaron Judge for when he goes on these crazy home run streaks like he did in 2017, like he's doing now, there's way more to his game than that, folks. There is just way more than, than there's just way more than that to his game. I, I mean, he is really sensational. He looks like the best player in the league. Very proud of him. Let's talk about a few concerns that the big dog is uh, having. Folks, the Yankees' rotation is definitely a cause for concern. Um, past Garrett Cole, the Yankees' rotation is pitching to a 7-plus ERA. Uh, we have Jay Happ, who has been absolutely terrible. 
Uh, he walked six batters over three innings uh, the other day against the Phillies, which is just unacceptable. He has been a victim of the home run ball dating back to last year, and I'm not sure just how many times the Yankees can afford to keep rolling him back out there. Uh, I, I think we at some point need to seriously look at replacing him in the rotation with a guy like Clark Schmidt, who looked really good in the intra-squad games. Um, it might be his time to shine. We really might need him uh, to come up and provide some very valuable innings if J-Hap can't get this figured out uh, and turned around very, very soon. Um, we have Jordan Montgomery, who has had one good start, one bad start, pitched well against the Boston Red Sox, going five and two-thirds, one earned run. Um, but last night against or tonight against the Phillies, he uh, was not particularly 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 efficient with his pitches, um, and we're going to need him to provide some really valuable innings down the stretch here. Uh, he's coming off a major injury uh, from a couple years ago, pitched at the end of last season, but uh, we're going to be relying on him heavily based on uh, what, what's been happening with the rest of the rotation. Uh, James Paxton, this one is probably the largest cause for concern right now for Yankee fans. Uh, James Paxton typically last year was averaging like 94.8 miles per hour on his fastball. Now he is down to like 91, 92 miles per hour, topping out from what I've seen at around 93, not even seeing him hit 94. Last year, he topped out at 100 miles per hour. Uh, this is a major concern. Uh, he had off-season back surgery, which is probably the cause of this, um, but they really need to get this figured out because he has not been effective with that reduced velocity. Um, so they're really, really going to need uh, pitching coach Matt Blake to, to step up here. It's his first big project, and hopefully he can assist him with his arm angle and uh, and help him to get that velocity back. They, they're they really going to need it. Um, we're relying on Paxton to hopefully be uh, the two or the three come playoff time. Uh, and lastly, Masahiro Tanaka. Guy's a fucking warrior for uh, bouncing back and only missing one start after Giancarlo Stanton hit a piss missile off of his head. Um, Masahiro Tanaka, I thought, looked pretty good. The numbers didn't uh, speak to that, but he only was able to throw about 51 pitches. Uh, he goes again this weekend, so hopefully we will see him get extended out a little bit further. Um, but right now, Tanaka is probably the best bet uh, to be the number two behind Cole, and they're really, really going to need him to be clutch uh, and, and be the Tanaka that we've seen in the past. Moving off of the rotation, uh, big concern around Gary Sanchez. Now, Gary Sanchez is one of the most polarizing players, if not the most polarizing player on the New York Yankees. I think there's two subsets of fans when it comes to Gary Sanchez. There are the Gary supporters uh, who really, you know, know even with these cold streaks that he goes through, uh, are willing to stand by him because of all the home runs that he hits, um, the work that he puts in on defense, even if he doesn't always get the results. Um, I think those people see the potential and just want to, and, and don't really see many better options across the league. Um, then there's the people who really just can't stand watching the guy play because he consistently is putting up uh, weak at bats. Um, if he's not hot, he really is just ice, ice cold. Um, he is, and, and we've just seen this time and time again with Gary. Uh, personally, my issue with Gary Sanchez is more on the line of him and, and the way he hits the ball. Um, to me, he is constantly just swinging for the fences and it's unnecessary. Um, to me, when he has two strikes on him, he really needs to shorten it up, uh, shorten his approach and try to take the ball the opposite way. If he can do that, if the guy can just hit around 240 to 250, he is going to be far and away the best offensive catcher in the game. Um, so to me, he is a very, very uh, infuriating player to watch. Um, hopefully he can get it turned around. He did hit a home run late in the game against the Phillies, but we're going to need to see more of that uh, before everyone can start to feel confident. And that's it. Uh, overall, very excited about the team. I think they look very good. They look like uh, one of, if not the best team in baseball yeah. so far, uh, which is exactly what everyone expected. was expecting. Um, very weird that we are going to hear all season, I think, about 
a comparison between them and the Twins. Um, and yet, we're never going to see them play unless they meet in the playoffs. Uh, they're playing different competition all year. I'm going to argue that the Yankees have a harder path with teams like the Rays having to play the NL East, which is a, uh, a talented division overall, mm-hmm. besides the Marlins, who happen to be the best team in the division. Unbelievable. Um, but we'll get into that. the Yankees... The Yankees are not uh, – it's very hard to draw that comparison. I think the Yankees are better. Twins are going to have to prove it, I think, um, before you're going you're gonna to put them over them. But uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about, folks. Yankees are looking good. Uh, luckily, the Rays are not looking good so far this season. Hopefully, the Yankees can spank them around a little bit. Uh, over the weekend, I am not sleeping on them. I think they are still going to be very good this year. They really are built for this. Um Baltimore is going to come back down to earth. We all know that. Uh, Boston, that pitching staff just makes you want to take a big old Duke in the TV. Uh, and Toronto is a young upstart team. A lot of talent. Definitely could give give some teams some fits. But uh, the Yankees should should uh, continue to play good baseball. Excited about the team. And uh, that's all I got for you, folks. That's all you got? Wow. A quick a quick little overview of the Yankees situation right now, folks. I mean, just to chime in, Aaron Judge is a fucking behemoth of a man. He's got to be one of the best ball players in baseball. You really hate to see it. He's the shark-toothed mongrel. Everybody knows it. Uh, one of the greatest nicknames on the Yanks next to the Cyclops himself, Brett Gardner. His eyes are way too close to his nose. You really hate to see it, folks. Overall, I mean, the Yanks are fucking killing it. What else is new? Who expected that, huh? Come on. Really, though. Uh, yeah, no, fuck that. Fuck that. This fucking sucks. <laughs> It'll be fun. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be great. Shout out to Giancarlo and Voight Giancarlo. as well. They're both playing. They're both playing very well. Giancarlo looks. Uh, he looks healthy. Looks good. Quick bat. Love to see it. Yankee fans almost probably forgot how good he can actually be, but he can really match the shit out of the baseball folks. How about Luke Voigt? This guy, since he came over to the Yankees, folks, look at those stats. He's just really good player. Um, he's no fluke. He's no fluke. Luke and, uh, fluke. yeah, Yankees look good. Yeah, uh, in, in, in summary, the Yanks are fucking mashing the ball. Their rotation uh, outside of Garrett Cole, who's not really living up to expectations, but, of course, performing very well. Rotation kind of stinks the big old farts. How long can the Yankees' bullpen bail out this rotation, folks? Only time will tell. Can they keep winning games? Just they can do it their, for very long. Just on the bad <laughs> That's actually true. We, we do know how this goes, um, and they can they can do it. And they probably will continue to do it. So, folks, we'll see how the season continues to go. Um, we'll move on to our next segment. But first, a word from our sponsors. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Ribs. How does it end? I don't know how the Chili's uh, baby back dukes. You take a big old dookie, then you eat some ribs. Come on now, Take a little dookie, or you eat some ribs. You take a little duke, you eat some ribs. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, eat those ribs and take a duke. I'm not really sure how that ends. I'll be completely honest. I listened to the first like five seconds and I just, I was like, all right, we could do this. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter. Regardless, doesn't matter. either way, neither here nor there, let's let bygones be bygones and let's all accept the fact that Chili's, they got baby back ribs. Uh, baby back ribs, are those like regular ribs or are they small ribs or are they ribs, with, are they boneless ribs? I'm not sure what the difference is between all of the different cuts of ribs, but baby backs I think are typically smaller. That's the, uh, that's the baby. That's the baby's back. Uh, that's the baby back. It's it's an idiom. It's like soft as a baby's bottom, small as a baby's back. You know, I think that's where they got the name baby back ribs. Baby got back. Ah, okay. So mix a lot. You got to be wondering. Some is some ribs from Chili's. Yeah. Got his baby some back. Some sort of correlation here between Sir Mixalot's baby got back. And baby back ribs. It's almost okay. So you, honestly, folks, got me wondering. You might be able to make a tongue twister out of that. How? How? This is the type of information that you're going to get on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you've never associated the two together, but now you are, and you know you have to suck it because that really is a uh, an unbelievable. How thing many? How, how many? How many? Okay. How many baby back ribs could Sir Mix a Lot 
baby if baby got back with baby back ribs. Say that five times fast and tell your mother. <laughs> Folks, you gotta be wondering what's going on here. We're absolutely off the rails. I'm kind of rattled by that, uh, by that. You know, that first segment, uh, I really don't know where I was going with Porcello there, but, you know, folks, you gotta love it. You absolutely have to suck it. Gotta get those baby back ribs some chili. I once went to Chili's um, with a couple buddies back in high school. Shout out to the boys. Come on. You know you are. Uh, we put on suits and then went to uh, Chili's. And uh, we might have been a little high. I don't know. But either way, yeah, we went to Chili's, put on the suits. And someone at the table next to us, we did this as a joke because we were idiots in high school. And someone at the table next to us like asked us like why why we were so dressed up. And I think I, I told them that we were law students from NYU. Um, and of course, we were in high school and I looked like I was 13 when I was a senior in high school. So the guy probably was like, oh, you're fucking lunatic. You used to look like such a young boy. I was a young boy back in the day. But look at me now. I'm an old boy. Big old fashioned sack of duke sitting on the TV. Ladies and gents, that's way too much about baby back ribs than you needed, but go to Chili's, get some baby back ribs. While you're at it, also get the molten, the chocolate molten lava cake from Chili's. It's one of the best. You're going to love it. It's like cutting into a big old-fashioned butt with some dew flying out. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to love it, ladies and gentlemen. Alton, do you have anything to say about your cousin and molten lava cakes? Yeah, back in college, back in his, uh, his days at Towson. He ate so many lava cakes on the weekends, like while he was drunk, that all of his friends started calling him Lava Man. That's his nickname. Lava Man. That's a hell of a nickname. You gotta be wondering. The Lava Man himself, maybe we'll get him to uh, feature on the pod at some point. We'll ask him how the the lava cakes came out in the other end. Ladies and gentlemen, come on, boy. How we doing? Come on, boy. Come on, boy. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say now, boy? Come on, come on, boy. boy! What do you say now, boy? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the new segment called "Come on, boy." What the freaking crap? Come on! You gotta be wondering. Everybody's wondering. The fans back home are wondering what the hell is going on, boy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a little 2020 shortened COVID season uh, special segment because honestly, 2020, we all know what we we don't know what the fuck's going on. 2020 is going to be six pages long in our children's and our children's children's history textbooks uh for generations to come 2020 is going to take forever to go through it's going to take at least a semester half a year folks you really hate to see it but either way you gotta suck it so we got a couple things to talk about come on boy first of all uh the first thing i think you know the elephant in the room joe kelly throwing absolute beam bags at the houston trastros ladies and gentlemen this happened last week. Everybody loved to see it. We were waiting for something like this, you know, to really a nice little spark. We were waiting for the Houston Trash Tros to talk some chirp back at whoever beamed them because they've been getting beamed all season, and you really love to see it. They got a second post. Come on, boy. So Joe Kelly, uh, pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers, who also stink butt farts, but either way, we'll let bygones be bygones now. Joe Kelly uh, cannot find his fastball at all. This is the last week. He pitches 3-0 and to Alex Bregman. And then he just he has this kind of look, and he's like, you know what, fuck it. He throws a little tater tot straight behind the head of, uh, of Alex Bregman. And Bregman ducks. He hits the floor. He's like, what the freaking crap is going on? We're so absolutely frick this season because we're cheating sacks of Duke and the TB above the waterline. He goes to first. Joe Kelly, after he fucking wings this, after going down 3-0 in the count, just turns back to uh, second, third base. He's like, all right, guys, let's turn two. Casually just says that. Flicks the little uh, how we doing hang loose signal to turn two. Next batter is... Uh, uh, oh, wait. So how did, how did the sequence go after that? Did they end... They, they didn't end up turning two, but I think they got Bregman out and a force out at second. Um, so they had two outs now. And then Carlos Correa steps up to the plate. Again, seems like Joe Kelly isn't able to locate his fastball. He goes down 2-0. and um, And then he starts, you know, then he starts dishing it out. Uh, throws a couple breaking balls to Correa. Gets to a 2-2 two and two count. Um, and then he didn't, did he toss it at Correa? I can't remember. This was so long ago. Time now is going so so quickly. Did he toss it at Correa? He did. He did to- he, yeah, he, he threw he to- it behind him, right? At like 96 miles an hour. I think he 
I think he threw it behind Correa. Um, then he struck Correa and out. Then he struck him out, and and then Correa starts chirping at him like, "Oh, just throw your fastball or something like that," right? Because he couldn't locate his fastball, I think. So Correa was just giving him shit either way. He either tossed out Correa or he didn't. But regardless, he he struck Correa out on some foolish looking breaking balls. Correa, you know, starts chirping back at him as Joe Kelly's walking off the mound because Joe Kelly's staring him down because he's a badass motherfucker. So Correa's like, oh, throw your fastball. You know, if you throw that, I'll hit it out of the park and then I'll be running home, you bitch. Or something like that. And Joe Kelly isn't taking none of it. So he's chirping back. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he makes like this little like pouty kind of face because Correa is, you know, he's a little bitch and he's been cheating for the last few years. So he could absolutely suck the big old fashioned Duke and, and the TB. And then, you know, they start chirping back and forth and his, you know, Correa's teammates are kind of, you know, coming out and slowly the benches start to, uh, start to clear. Nothing happens. But overall, what happened is Joe Kelly ended up getting dished out, what was it, an eight game suspension, which in a shortened season is equivalent to 22 games in a full, you know, 162 game season, which is really unheard of. That's unprecedented. It's an absolute camo, boy. There, there to is the never, MLB. There's never been a situation where the commissioner, Rob Manfred, right now, is an absolute sack of fucking Duke and a half. Where the commissioner, for someone throwing at, you know, a guy's head, um, dishes out a 22 game suspension on the season. That just doesn't happen. That's not how baseball works. Baseball has a history of, you know, defending your players. You might have some rivalries. You might throw at a player. That's what happens. And you got people saying, oh, well, they're endangering the livelihood of these players who are thrown at their heads. The Astros know what's coming at them, so all of them are a little on edge already. They're, able, they're getting out of the way. Yeah, it's, maybe it's kind of fucked up to throw at their heads, but you know what? It's also extremely fucked up to cheat your way to a World Series and just cheat your way through the game of baseball for many years. And that's exactly what the Astros did. And what's on, on top of that, the mo- I think the more fucked up thing, and this is why people are all up in arms, myself included, is that Manfred and the MLB handled the um, all the punishments for the Astros horribly because, ladies and gentlemen, as we know, there basically were no punishments. You had a, what, $5 million fine, which I guess is the maximum fine you give an organization, which for an organization that has a you know $200 million uh, payroll, that's a little bit of bullshit. That's like fucking pennies out of the owner's pocket. Now, on top of that... You also give what, Alex Cora a little bit of a, of a suspension, or um, uh, uh, what's his face, big dog? Um, Jeff Lunau, right? Alex Cora, and uh, so you know the and AJ these guys suspended yeah, and Hinch, and you guys are suspended, you know, a year. Um, they could easily come back a year, you know, in that in next season, and this is also in a COVID shortened season where baseball is barely even happening. Um, so overall, people are pissed because the Astros players. Zero reprimands were handed out. So the Astros players are sitting pretty after just having cheated their way through an entire season, which is absolute horseshit. And now Joe Kelly, apparently they need to set a, uh, you know, they set a little standard there the, and set an example. They say, you know, you can't throw it. You can't throw it with these Astros. You know, so what happened is what it is. Get over it. <coughs> Excuse me. Fuck that. Fuck that and fuck you, Rob Manfred, you piece of shit. Joe Kelly, major props. Glad to see a bunch of players banding around him on that. That was really good to see, just to see everybody kind of banding together in a big old-fashioned anti-Astros kumbaya circle. Um, again, fuck the Astros. Big Dog, I don't know if you have anything to add to that or if we want to move on to the next. Come on, boy. Uh, I'll just add quickly, I, I think Manfred, like rationally, he probably needed to uh, to do something um, to stop this from getting out of hand. Eight games. Uh, as you As you mentioned, uh you know, it's very unfortunate, and what riles I think all of us up, up all of us up as as fans is the fact that uh, they basically got away with it scot free, um, which is absolute bullshit, folks. Um, so I'm giving it a big old come on, come Rob Manfred. I mean, 22 games, he didn't hit anyone. Piece come on, shit. man. Like I mean, Jesus you Christ. I don't have more to say about it other than 22 games. That is just so, absolute. Dude. Overall, Manfred just making another you know situation worse by making himself look like an absolute sack of shit and handling handling it terribly. The other thing, so no, okay, so we'll kind of tie a nice little bow on that. Move on to the next. Come on, boy. So the next, come on, boy. I'm gonna have to dish out to the St. Louis Cardinals. You gotta be wondering what the fuck is going on in their minds. You got some guys apparently 
Apparently, big shout out to Noah Ritter. Um, apparently, the St. Louis Cardinals couple players went out to some clubs in Atlanta when they were in there for a series against the Braves. And, of course, one of them contracted COVID, which, as Uncle Train predicted and everyone knows, spreads to the rest of the team like fucking wildfire. So now, I think that was the Marlins, not the Cardinals. I thought the, I thought the Cardinals were, were going out to clubs, no? The, the Cardinals, reportedly, uh, a few of them went to casinos. Uh, uh, oh, reportedly, a few of them went to casinos. And I think yeah. it was like in Milwaukee. I don't think it was uh, Atlanta. The point is, either way. Doing this for the rest of the league. Don't ruin this for America. We don't have much now, now, folks, so let us cling to this. Please do the right thing. Um, I think this is about, like, you have a lot of guys, like hundreds of guys, looking to do what they need to do to provide. Taking a risk them are fucking it up for the rest of them. Listen, sitting here and tell you that the MLB's plan is a good one because it's not, but you gotta do what you can do to make it work. And these few people, unfortunately, who are trying to ruin it for the rest of us, they really sh and to them I have to say, Come on, Come on boy. boy. I mean, you gotta be. You don't need to gamble. You, you don't need to gamble amongst yourselves. Right. Play some cards in the hotel. Exactly, like the like the '86 Mets used to do. You know, gamble a couple hundred bucks on a game in the plane. Uh, you know, your private jet charter. Michael Jordan used to Michael do it all Jordan the time. Doing the same exact thing. He used to do it on the plane. So you know, he used to do it on the folks, plane. You gotta be more. It's, you gotta be more like Mike in the situation. Just gamble on the plane. Just stay out of the fucking clubs and the casinos. Like Jesus Christ, really. Honestly, another. Big old-fashioned, come on, boy, fuck you to Rob Manford for not getting behind. You got to fucking push for the bubble scenario. You see all these other sports doing it. It's feasible. You could have done it. We had opportunities to set it up in Arizona. There were ways to make this work so that you could work with the owners and the Players Association to try to come to an agreement. And for whatever reason, it wasn't possible. You've seen other sports doing it. You got the NHL, who just started the playoffs uh, on, on Friday last week, and they had... Or maybe it was Saturday, but either way, bygones be bygones. You know, they went through three thousand plus COVID tests with the players and the personnel, zero positives. They're all in a bubble in I think two cities in Canada. You're seeing the NBA is making it work, uh, you know, with, with with no positive COVID tests. So there's a way to do this. You can make it work. Yeah, the rosters are a little bit bigger. Yeah, you maybe have more personnel, but either way, it's not an exorbitant amount where you're not able to to make it work. So I'm just going to say to that, come on, boy, there's a way to do the bubble. It's proven that it will work. If we want sports, that's the way to do it. You can't have people fucking flying and shit. Maybe, yeah, mandate more team protocol so they physically can't leave the premises. But to what extent? So, okay, so I want to be fair here. I do think logistically it's probably very hard to do a bubble. They were starting this season from the beginning. Um, more people, there are more stadiums needed. There aren't that many. You would have, you wouldn't have necessarily been able to do a full-on bubble all concentrated in one area. You probably could have contained it to one state, maybe a couple of states. Um, I don't know. There are people smarter than me who should have figured that out. I, I no doubt agree with you, but let's just take a step back and say that logistically it would have been a nightmare. That logistically it wouldn't have worked, and that's why they didn't do it. What about this plan? And and this is what I think that they should, they could even pivot to now. Why can't, if we all agree that home field advantage is basically not a thing right now, other than the minor uh, advantage you're getting because you probably built your team for the ballpark that you play most of your games in, why can't we play all of the games against one team in one location and then be for the rest of the season? So let's say the Yankees are playing the Orioles for 10 games this season. Let them play all 10 in Camden Yards. And, and just stick in that location, you reduce the travel by a long shot, and, and it doesn't make sense not to do it. I, I mean, you could pivot to that now, and it wouldn't be a problem. So I don't know why that wasn't thrown around. I haven't really even seen anyone bring that up. Uh, so my apologies if someone has brought it up. But that, to me, is very feasible. 
I understand the risk that if one team contracts it, you're shutting down two teams for 10 days. So but we're doing that anyway. We're doing it anyway. And you're doing it for the health. So why not? for the health and safety of the players. That's the other big thing, right? I mean, uh, not just the player, but not just the players. It's about reducing the travel so that the flight attendants on the planes, the hotel staff, everyone. everyone uh, you want to reduce everyone that they come into contact right. with. That's what they need to be focusing on. Not this stupid bullshit of let's keep them in the in the stadiums for two less innings on a, on the day of a doubleheader. Right. That's very unnecessary. Yep, it. It, it, you're not you're not doing the wrong thing when there's a rain delay, and that's a bigger risk because then the players are going into a clubhouse. So do something that can actually limit the amount of travel, the amount of exposure that they're going to have. I don't think any of the fans would have an issue with it. it thinks I wouldn't get to see let's say a team like the. Stadium, but I'm basically going to the game. It is what it is. This this year is just this out. Make this safe and continue on this season as as best as we can. Ladies and gentlemen, we know it's a crazy year. We're doing everything you know that we can here in uh in New York, New York. But unfortunately, we are only so close to uh, so many baseball teams and so close to Manfred until he can tell him to go fuck himself 5,000 times in the podcast. I just farted. I hope I didn't put my pants a little bit. I think we're going to conclude this one. Uh, we got quite a bit of information. Matt from Hoboken, any other uh, final final concluding comments here? Uh, no, I got nothing. Uh, there you go. We did plenty, plenty of come boys. Come on. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing... If uh, maybe some of the stars in the league who have been very bad the first couple of weeks start picking it up. Uh, but that's about it. Ladies and gents, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. It's been fun. It's been real. Can't say it's been real fun, though. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Derchi, Rivaducci, love you all. Stay safe. Fuck Trump. Fuck COVID. God bless. And we're finishing with 1% on my phone. Let's go. Come on, Squeeze baby. it in, baby. Come on. <laughs>